God is good. Oh, this is going to be a long sermon. God is good. And all the time. I would like to teach you a song, if I may. Can I ask you to please stand? And we're going to learn a song in Spanish. How many of you are Spanish impaired? Let me see a show of hands. Okay. I'm, ble- I'm praying a blessing over you today. So let's, uh, 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 you will see the words on the screen. It says, uh, I'd like you to repeat after me. It says, Tu fidelidad, tu fidelidad es, grande. es grande. You know that, you know, Taco Bell, you know, grande. Okay. <laughs> tu fidelidad, tu fidelidad incomparable es. Oh, wow. Naperville. Very nice. Very nice. Then the second one says, Nadie como tú. Nadie como tú. Bendito Dios. Bendito Dios. Grande. Grande. Es tu fidelidad. Es tu fidelidad. And it basically means great is your faithfulness. You're so faithful, God. There's no one like you. No one can compare to you. How many of you can testify that this morning? Oh, there's going to be a lot of more testifying this morning. If you want me to, if you want to, you know, go to make it a brunch, I think we're going to have to get going on this, okay? So it goes like this. Tu fidelidad es grande. Tu fidelidad incomparable es. Nadie como tú, bendito. Everybody join. to be able to worship God in a language he can understand. <laughs> you may be seated. Thank you, Ben. What an honor and a privilege it is to uh, be preaching at my friend's church. Scott and I go uh, uh, way back and just want to say, Scott, thank you so much for your ministry, for hearing the obvious call of the Lord into your life, and of course, Naperville. Uh, we'll never be the same because God has used you here. This is where everybody says, amen, you know, throw a shoe, do something. Okay. My name is Danny Martinez. I uh, have the privilege to serve you as the superintendent of the Central Conference. And uh, if you go on the next slide, you will see that our conference um, is in 108 churches. You're one of them. 
And the reason that I'm here is because I want to get to know you. Usually when the superintendent comes in, it's because, you know, someone messed up or, or something is burning and, you know, I got to come in and, and, and host it off. I didn't want to do that. Uh, I wanted you to meet me in a joyful time. Even though this is a time of transition, I wanted you to know that God is with you. And you have to be reminded of that sometimes. But I, it's 108 churches, I got to tell you, Naperville has been a faithful partner with us. And we want to say thank you for being a partner. Go on to the next one. The mission is to plant churches. We haven't planted a lot of churches in the last few years. Uh, strengthen churches, which most of our budget goes to, which is to walk with churches, to deal uh, with, with issues that are uh, plaguing or, or not helping the church. Uh, and also to connect churches, because we are one body. And some of you may not even be connected to the Evangelical Covenant Church, even though Naperville is an Evangelical Covenant Church. So to us, it's very important that you're connected. If people come to the service, but they do not contribute in any way, it's because they have not seen or understood the vision of the church. And we need to be constantly thinking, how do we engage people to be more connected with the church, with the conference, and with the denomination? Next so our vision is simple. Connection, participation, and contribution. These are the three things that, we're, that we've been hammering on for the last 16, uh, 16 months in which I moved here from San Diego. I moved here from San Diego, I want you to know. You know that was a call from God, right? <laughs> I would have been in shorts right now if that was, it was, if that was the case. But I want you to know, Naperville is a connected church, it's a participating church and a contributing church. So thank you so much for being that. And it's great to see my friend Ed Gilbreth there and, uh, and of course, other, other lovely faces here. Thank you so much for, for being such an incredible part of what God is doing in the Central Conference. You are an important part of the Central Conference. Go on to the next one. We have this crazy goal, 20 new churches to be planted in the next three years now, not four anymore. And we have no money to do that. But yet, my God is the owner of the cattle of a thousand hills, or a thousand cattle in one hill. One of the two, you know. You, you get the, Some of you did not get that. That's okay. Read your Bible more. <laughs> 20 more churches in the next few years. And I got to tell you, God has been opening doors that have not been opened before. We will be planting at least six churches in 2019. I, was, I preached in an African-American church this, this past year, and I lost 20 pounds during the service. In, if you haven't been to an African-American church to worship, you should do that just one time, especially when you know after the holidays, so you can lose the weight. And... And then, of course, I gained it back after the service because they had some incredible food. So, anyway. Um, go on to the next one. The Naperville Covenant Church. What a privilege to be here with you. Let's skip the next couple of uh, things because our sister did such a great job reading the scripture in the New Yorkian, uh, uh, you know, context. Where they went to the water and they talked to you. I love that. I love that, Rose. Where are you, Rose? There you are. So we can talk each other, you know. Anyway, a Latino making fun of a, peop- a person from New York. That's, a, that's new, right? <laughs> Sometimes I wake up and I hear myself in Antonio Banderas' voice, you know. Some, if you don't know who that is, that's Puss in Boots in uh, Shrek. 
Um, go on to the next one. Philip is one... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Go back. Philip... Go back to the Philip one. Philip is one of the, my favorite characters in the New Testament, by the way. I love Philip. I love him and I love Barnabas. These two characters are underrated, I think. This would be my kind of people. Paul was... A, we love Paul, but let's be real. Most of us would not get along with Paul. Someone should be saying amen to that. You know what I mean, right? Because he would tell you the truth and sometimes not so much in love. Nobody likes to be corrected. Nobody likes to be told, hey, you better straighten up. And the higher the rank, he had had some issues with Peter. But I'm not preaching about Paul. I'm going to stick to Philip. I only have three and a half hours, so I'm, I'm running late already. Philip the Evangelist to me is is what represents for someone to understand what God wants from us, even in the times of sorrow and pain. I got to tell you, as Americans, we happen to be very independent, but also very self-engrossed. We happen to be in our heads a lot and think that the whole world just reflects on us because we happen to be privileged people. I mean, look at this sanctuary. This is a beautiful place of worship. If you don't come in and be at awe at what God has done in this place, then you're not thinking right. You're, you're, you're used to things already. You got to go to Central America to a place where you have running water in your feet during the service. And that happened to me. And of course, I'm American, so I'm, I'm freaking out. Oh, God. Are we going to get electrocuted? I don't know. And I said to the lady, is this normal? And she goes, yeah, worship harder. <laughs> I'm sorry? Worship harder? What does that mean? What's that going to do? Steam the water up? What is that? Philip knew what it was like to serve from a position of humbleness. And even though he, he was a prophet, his daughters became prophets. The, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 8 that he was thrown out of his home from Jerusalem because he happened to be a Greek Jew. There was a his horrible persecution. Oddly enough, the disciples were not kicked out, but that's a different sermon, right? But all the Greek Jews were kicked out of Jerusalem during this. They used this, uh, this, uh, this time to persecute those people that were unlike the local people. Race has been an issue for many years, my friends. We have been trying to, we have been divided by race for many, 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 many years. And we'd allowed ourselves to believe in that. But Philip, instead of crying and going into a depression state, he goes and said, I'm going to go and talk about Jesus wherever I go. So he goes to a place called Samaria. Go on to the next one. Philip is enjoying this revival in Samaria. Go ahead and load the whole page, please. The Spirit tells uh, Philip uh, to go to the middle of nowhere, and he doesn't preach. He says, listen. So he's in Samaria having a good time. And I'm Latino. I like having a good time. I like, I like the party. I, church, to me, it, it's a serious thing, but it's also a happy thing. This is not a time to be... Oh, oh my God. It's, a, it's a time to say, well, look at how good God has been to us. And then Philip understood when, when he's in the revival, and I love revival. I believe in a God that heals. I know you do too. I believe in a God that transforms lives. Can someone testify of that here this morning? But I, I, I like that too much though, where if the Spirit said to me, Hey Danny, we need you somewhere else. I'm like, why? 
We're having a party right here. This is where, where it's at. God is moving. People's lives are being transformed. Isn't that what the gospel is about? But the Spirit sometimes tells us to do things that we don't understand. And it's hard for us to say yes when we don't understand. Can someone say amen to that? So the Spirit tells Philip, go to the middle of nowhere. Why? Tell that to an an extrovert. You want me to go where? To do what? He says, don't preach. Just listen. I don't know about you. That's hard. Go on the next one. He meets an, an exclusive, wonderful man, the Ethiopian eunuch. I don't like his title. Why do they describe him like that? Have you noticed that? Why do they describe him as the eunuch? How would you like to be described as with your worst defect? Mary the drunk. Philip the fill in the blank. The Ethiopian eunuch was an important official. He was the treasurer for Kandaki, the queen of Ethiopia, modern-day Sudan. And on the way home, from Jerusalem, he is reading a scripture. This man is an important man. He obviously had some clout. He ordered the, the chariot to stop, right? How many of you have not heard that story before today? Raise your hand. Most of us know this story. Great. Because I hope that uh, to bring a couple of uh, hidden pieces to this that I found really that I hadn't thought about. One is he's going home from where? He was worshiping where? Jerusalem. So you and I, because we're Americans and we usually have a good worship experience, we think that everybody else does too. When the fact is, there are many of our brothers and sisters today that are meeting in underground places because they cannot worship God publicly. There's people that do not have the nice accommodations that I say that. And when I say things like that about privilege, by the way, it's not to make you feel guilty. I think that we should rejoice in the privilege that God has given us, but we should also be grateful. Because I also find that to be missing in our culture. We're very privileged, but not very grateful. How many of you understand what God has done in your life? And how can we stay home on a Sunday morning where we can come and just praise Him the way that He deserves to be praised. That wasn't rhetorical. You can say amen if that's the case. <laughs> Go on to the next one. All right. So God has this divine appointment. Why Him? Why Him? I like to say that, first of all, He was on His way home, but most of us don't understand that He wasn't allowed in the temple. He was not allowed to go in. How would you like to go to come to Naperville Covenant if you're new and said, oh, well, you know, you're not allowed in the temple. But guess what? There's a place in the courtyard where we keep some animals and you can go there. And by the way, women were not allowed in the temple either. So that's where women would be too. How would you like that? Would you come back to Naperville Covenant? Probably not. He was not only allowed, and, and the thing is that he, was a, he had three things going on. First of all, he was not a Jew. Number two, he was black. Number three, he did not have his sexual organs. When he was about eight to ten years old, he was chosen, not volunteered, but chosen to serve at the queen 
and then he was castrated. That, that was a very common custom. And I don't know if you know about the, the work that the covenant does with the eunuchs in India, but if you don't know about it, you should really find out about it because the covenant has done amazing work with eunuchs that have been used for, for sex trade in India and bringing them back into society. One of the funniest stories was our former president, Gary Walter, sitting with someone that, uh, that he did not know was a man at one time. And how we bring the love of God to people that we sometimes don't think are worth the love of God. What an amazing story. What an amazing story. But this man obviously had suffered. But he's wondering, if you've read Isaiah, you know that Isaiah in the, in the mid-50s, in chapter uh, 55, talks about the, the answers and the provision that they have for eunuchs. He, in Isaiah, God says, I will bring all eunuchs unto me. But yet, somehow, this guy's stuck in, the, in, the, in a previous uh, chapter. But God has this divine appointment. He goes, go to that chariot and stay near it. Uh, that would be a problem for me because I, uh, even though I look like a long-distance runner, I'm really not... He heard him reading Isaiah, and instead of being the, the, the mission people that we tend to be sometimes, when we go on a mission trip, we think that we bring God to people when we really should realize that God has been working in that place way before we even thought about that place. Can someone say amen, please? Instead of giving him the Mighty Mouse Syndrome, are you familiar with Mighty Mouse? He's not an adventurer or anything like that. Mighty Mouse, do you remember the song, Here I Come to Save the Day, right? Some young people are going like, oh God, I don't know. (laughs) Did he eat quinoa? I don't know, Uh, I don't know. Instead of saying, I have come because God has sent me, and I fabulous, I've come to save you. Instead of doing that, he engages the person into dialogue and says, do you understand what you're reading? And I love his response. What is his response? How can I, unless someone explains it to me? Oh, there's nothing more important in God's people and and in the way that we reach people, but through relationships. My brothers and sisters, you can be a church that meets every Sunday and you have a, a church life, but we, if you don't know each other, if you don't treat each other, if you don't have coffee with each other, if you don't know each other's children, if you're not praying for each other, then you're just playing church. Because the church of God is engaged with one another, cares for one another, is involved with, with wanting to see how you can be a part of the other person's life even if it's just praying. This thing is, makes you a church. Getting somebody else's child, let's say here, Abigail Clemens. Hi, Abby. And praying for this person for the whole year, that makes you a church. Going to find out where Abby goes to school. Finding out what she needs. But how can people come to Christ unless one of us explains it to them? And sometimes it's not our our eloquent dialogue, but our life that gives faithful testimony of who God is in our lives. Mm. 
If you don't know what that is, that means that's called hooping. It is. It's in an African American. I started doing that in an African American church, and it's just amazing. I do that everywhere now. I I have many people doing that. I'm hoping Naperville will get it into that today. Uh-huh. <laughs> You turn shy, my sister. You turn shy. Go on to the next one. The book of Isaiah. What was so exciting that he was reading? He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The question that he asks is, uh, who is this guy talking about? Himself or somebody else? And he says that Philip started with that passage of Scripture and began to explain to him the gospel of Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters, the gospel, the good news is always about Jesus Christ. Always. But what was so interesting here? My, first of all, this passage was written for Israel. Israel is the suffering servant. Even though we assign it to Jesus because we love Jesus so much, right? But Israel was the, 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 the servant, the suffering servant. When Jesus came 2,000 years ago, He became the Scripture. He became the incarnation of this Scripture. I would like to suggest today, I would like to argue, that this Ethiopian became that scripture that day as well. Because he saw himself in pain. Who can speak of his descendants? Guess what? Nobody can. My children happened to me, happened to be some of my biggest blessings most of the time. I know some of you want to say amen, but they're here and you can't say it, but... And not having children it was considered a damnation in the Old Testament. Go on to the next one. I love this, this part of the scripture that says, As they travel. Our journey is together. We walk together. This is not, my brother and sister, this is not about your personal relationship with Christ anymore. This is about your personal relationship with Christ where we say we love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then there's a little passage that's added to that that we really don't care for. What is it? And who? Who are we supposed to love as well? Our who? Oh, we don't like that. I got to tell you, I don't like that. My neighbor takes my time, my money, my investment. They, they, oh God. Can we leave that out of the scripture, please? Because God, loving God is so good. Loving the painter is a pain. I know you want to say amen. I'll say it for you. But yet, it goes together, doesn't it? Why shouldn't I be baptized? That's a great question. Why shouldn't you? What would you have said? Did you go to membership class yet? Did you participate in baptism classes? Well, even more important, have you given your first tithe? 
Philip baptized him. The thing is that most, some theologians believe that this was not in the summertime. That this was when the water was really cold. What would I have done? I would have said, okay, you go to the water first, you self-baptize. Hold your nose. Just go in the back and I'll just, I'll, 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 I'll direct you from here, okay? This is the second time that I would be uncomfortable because one is going after the chariot, right? And then it would be getting all my clothes wet, going into the water. And the third one would be, how am I going to get back home? I don't know this place, Gaza. Where's the next camel coming over? I don't know. But Philip baptized him. And as he did that, Philip was taken away on Holy Spirit Airlines. Because the other one, Spirit Airlines would have lost his luggage. And then you see something that you see for the first, you see something for the first time. He went home, how? Rejoicing. What a marvelous experience. To be able to know that God loves us so much, He sends us the best. He sent Philip, the evangelist per excellence, that he would reach Someone that you and I probably would have not looked at twice. Go on the next one. Listen to the story. My brothers and sisters, I'd like to tell you that regardless of your political views, I don't really care what your political views are. I care about Jesus' political views, which is to love God and to love neighbor. If there are stories in the news that don't affect you or they don't break your heart... It's because you're not connected to them somehow. If you see people that are suffering, and you don't quite understand why, nor are you moved to know why, it's because it doesn't affect you personally. And the only way that some of those stories affect us personally is if we develop relationships with people, which it does. You know how this Black Lives Matter movement became very important to the covenant? was because one, a covenant kid, an African-American covenant kid from Sacramento was killed. Regardless of how you feel about the laws or anything else, one of ours got killed. If it doesn't hurt you, it's because you don't have an investment in it. May God allow us to open up our hearts that despite our how we are wired politically or, or in our society or in our level of success, that we may see the pain of other people. There is power in your story too. Because if you don't share who Jesus is, then you're not sharing the story. And last but not least, there's power in our story together. Now, some people in the covenant have not had... Uh, have not been in the place where a Latino is going to lead them into church planting and into being a, uh, a conference in any year because I happen to be the first Latino ever nominated and elected for this position. I didn't want this position. I was very happy being a pastor in San Diego. I had furnished my home to a place where I knew I was going to retire there for the rest of my life. 
And God had other plans. My story is, I had to listen to God, what called me to do. And I hope that you can see through a Latino that a Latino is able to lead a conference. That when you see Latinos in the news and people try to sell you that we're all dangerous murderers, that you can say, well, my bishop is not. My super, I hope you think I'm not. <laughs> that our story matters because now it's not just about me, it's about us. And it's about being one in Christ. Because my brothers and sisters, there is no south side in heaven. Oh, some of you did not get that. Let me tell you again. I want you to know there is no south side in heaven. Chicago people, come on. Go on the last one. So what does this have to do with us? Let us focus on the revival. Go on the next one, please. Be available to people. Let the Spirit of God lead you. What a wonderful concept that is. Let the Spirit of God lead you. Travel along the road with people, not just for a quick decision. Ask inviting and connecting questions. And be flexible to the need. My brothers and sisters, you are in a great, you're in the right place at the right time for the right purpose. Naperville is in a wonderful place right now that even though there, there's so many insecurity coming up because our beloved pastor will be moving on to a different position or uh, to something else. He's not dying, by the way. He's just retiring. He used to be so nice. He still is. <laughs> that we may know that God will continue to work through Naperville Covenant Church. And because He is our God and this church is His, that everything will be okay. That is my prayer for you this morning. Can we pray? Father, I would like to ask you that you would allow us to have some divine appointments with people that need to hear you. We know that you are God. We know that you love people. Allow us to love those that we can't sometimes agree with. That we may know that we're one in Christ regardless. Father, if there are any sore spots in our hearts right now, that you may be working through them right now through your Holy Spirit to heal, to renew, to restore, to transform. And as we take this Lord's Supper... We pray, Father, that you will heal our heart. That you'll be with, with us in our pain and in our sorrow. That we may also see that there's pain and sorrow everywhere else in this world. And that you care for them as well. We pray for these things, knowing that you are our God. And we are your children. In the name of Jesus. God's people say. Amen. Amen.